Good morning. You thought you were coming to church this morning. You took a wrong turn. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. I'm Pastor Marcus. Great to have all of you with us here this morning. If you're watching online on video, we're psyched to have you with us as well. Hello to first Sunday of our series at the movies. Pretty good, huh? Everybody like Thanksgiving? Yes. You know, I'm a turkey guy. Who's a turkey person? Who's not a turkey person? Oh, and I'll tell you, you couldn't see it, but there were some, some hands that went up lightning fast, like, I hate that stuff. <laughs> well, it's best with a lot of gravy and some cranberry sauce, huh? So we, uh, my family and I, we did not do Thanksgiving locally. We went to Maine, where Julie's younger sister lives with her family. There were, I think, 21 of us total. You know, there's upsides and downsides to when you do Thanksgiving away. The upside is you're not preparing all this food, right? You just bring some stuff along as a nice guest, but you don't have to prepare all this stuff, right? You know what the downside is, though? No leftovers. No, no leftovers. They sent us away with two things. This little Tupperware container with about this much stuffing, like, and which my daughter Holly ate half of on a drive home on Friday. <laughs> and the, one other container, roasted vegetables. Roasted vegetables? It's Thanksgiving. And so that's what all we came home with. I said, so I actually made sure that we have a turkey in the freezer so that we can do like round two with the carcass in the fridge, you know, in a few weeks when all the boys are home from college. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. You know, I love, I do love Thanksgiving, though, all the sights and the sounds and the smells. We spent the night in a log cabin right around the corner from my sister-in-law's house because their house wasn't big enough for everybody. So it was my wife and our kids in this one-room cabin heated by a wood stove, which was really cool. I had to make sure that I got up in the night to feed the stove. Or it was, I knew it was going to be too cold in the cabin come morning. So I had fed it once. I get up a second time because that's what you do when you're a father, right? And so I stuffed it full the second time. And like two minutes later, my daughter, Holly, who was sleeping closest to the stove, scrambled away to the far corner of the cabin because I had roasted her out completely because that thing was roaring away. But I do love the fact that we can, at Thanksgiving, it's not just people, it's not just words we hear, but there are these great smells, these great tastes and the sounds. All, these, all, all of our senses are engaged on Thanksgiving, aren't they? That's exactly what we do with this series at the movies. I could drone on and on straight out of God's word and hopefully be interesting along the way, but I would only be really imparting into one of your senses, your sense of hearing. But if we go to movie clips, now, and I, my daughter came in with this king-size, like, starburst or something. She said, Dad, look, he's a king-size. We're giving you candy. There's popcorn. There's also, we want you to plug in with all your senses. And we're going to show some movie clips, and we're going to integrate God's word in it. And I think we can powerfully teach a truth from the Bible with a mo some movie clips helping us along the way. So that's our plan. And you know, one of the cool things is, because God is eternal, we can use a movie from any time period and teach the truths about God. So hopefully you like old movies, because that's what I got stuck with. <laughs> Early 1800s, but it's cool. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. Raise your hands if you went and saw the movie Les Miserables in the theaters. Some of you did. Some of you thought you saw Les Miserables, like me, who couldn't remember my French pronunciation. Or if you were the, um, the boring American, you say Les Mis. Actually, that's not the boring American. That's what the sophisticated Americans say. I went to Les Mis. Well, Les Mis is, is from Victor Hugo's novel set in the early, early 18th, 1800s, right after the French Revolution. 
And it's one of these interesting um, titles that's been carried into different countries without having those countries typically translate it. But if we look at translations of that title, Les Miserables, we have the following translations. The miserables, the wretched, the miserable ones, the poor ones, the wretched poor, the victims, and the dispossessed. We're trying to encourage you this morning. No, <laughs> no that, but that's the way that people at that time, many people felt. The common people felt like they had no voice. They felt like they had no opportunity uh, to better themselves. Small infractions could result in significant consequences that would impact their families for decades to come. The French Revolution was all about the people wanting a voice against the powerful elite and the powerful clergy. And we see this aftermath continuing on through this movie. The movie is about a man named Jean Valjean, and he is arrested for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his sister's children. He's sentenced to five years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread. While he's there, he tries to escape. He's captured and spends another 14 years as a French slave as punishment for trying to escape. His antagonist in the story is a soldier by the name of Javert, played by one of my favorite actors, Russell Crowe. He refuses to, res to refer to Jean Valjean by his name, but only instead by his prisoner number, 24601. If you've not seen the movie, you'll be surprised by one component of it, and that is it's a musical. So some of the dialogue takes place in words, and some of it takes place in song. The underlying theme that runs through Les Mis is a story of grace. It touches on the people involved in grace, those who offer it, those who accept it, and those who reject it. It touches on the power of grace, the ability to transform lives or to keep them fettered. And it touches on the steps of grace, grace desired, grace accepted, grace rejected, grace offered. All these themes of grace pulse through this movie. And in the process, we're aware of the fact that the most profound grace that can be offered more powerful than any other grace, is the grace offered to us by God. In this first clip, we pick it up where Jean Valjean is receiving his freedom after 19 years in prison. the flag. Two four six oh one. Your time is up and your parole's begun. You know what that means. Yes, he's unfree. No. Fuck. 
follow to the letter your itinerary. This badge of shame will show it till you die. It warns you're a dangerous man. Stole a loaf of bread. My sister's child was close to death. We were starving. You'll starve again unless you learn the meaning of the law. Know the meaning of those 19 years. The slave of the law. Five years for what you did. The rest because you tried to run. Yes, two, four, six, oh, one. My name is Jean Valjean. And I'm Javert. Do not forget my name. Do not forget me. Two, four, six, oh, one. Freedom at last, how strange it is. Never forget the years, the waste. Nor forgive them for what they have done. They are the guilty, everyone. The day begins, and now let's see what this new world will do for me. We usually don't make the rules in life. Sure, sometimes we get to vote about this or that, but usually we feel like the rules are imposed on us. And so it's from those rules that we end up deciding or determining whether a person is good or bad. And usually when we're evaluating ourselves, we are in fact the most common person that we evaluate. Huh, I wonder if I'm good or I wonder if I'm bad. And the way that we most easily evaluate ourselves, for better or for worse, is by comparing ourselves to the people around us. We tend not to compare ourselves to the people closest to us because they're most like us. We want to compare ourselves to other people, people that we don't know very much, or even people who are perfect strangers. But in the process, since we really don't know much about them, our comparison often ends up being negative or critical. And we're holding them to standards that we've set ourselves. Are they a good person or a bad person? Well, I think this is what's important, and I don't think that they do that, so therefore they must not be good. The problem with this whole approach about us setting a standard to evaluate people by is that God uses a different standard of comparison. When we use God's standard of comparison, we discover that we ourselves, we're not as good as we think we are. Romans 3.20 makes this clear for us. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather through the law, <coughs> excuse me, rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. In other words, God's law does not reveal our goodness. It reveals our badness. Not the fact that we're good, but the fact that we fail all along the way. The bad things that we do to people, the bad things that we think about, 
or the good things left undone that we never attend to. God's simple word to describe all these things, of course, is sin. And under God's law, we're not good people. Here's how the Bible describes how God looks at us on a typical basis from Ephesians 2.1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. When we stop and think about that, and we see a movie clip like this, there's a word that should pop to our mind. And as we should start thinking about grace, we should start thinking about, huh, I wonder how it is that I receive grace. Who shows me grace and how much grace am I receiving in my life? When you show grace to another person, you are typically doing one of two things. One, you're either being sort of like kind and caring to them, or you are showing them some sort of clemency where there's a standard that they're not meeting and you're willing to ignore the fact that they're not reaching up to that standard. That standard might be about behavior. They always show up late or they're always rude. It might be about the way they dress. They're dressed inappropriate for an occasion or, or, or not sufficiently or they're dirty. Or it may be that they are, um, their, their, their character, their attitudes is wrong. They're mean-spirited or they're snarky or they're, um, uh, they, they push a, a lack of encouragement and disappointment into your life. All those areas are areas we, where we can evaluate another person about the issue of grace. And the thing is we realize, as we start thinking that we realize that other people hold an, uh, the ability to decide whether they show grace in our lives, just like we get to decide whether we show grace in the lives of other people. Oftentimes, grace is unexpected. We're in a situation, and we don't know whether we will receive it or not. This next clip helps to elevate this concept for us. Are we going to receive grace, or will we not receive grace? Can I help? Day's work. Thanks, birds. No work here. Valjean, as a dangerous man, you will be on parole forever. Failure to report means immediate arrest. Be in Pontalier in 30 days. Follow him. Let me see your papers. Papers. I'll sleep in the stable. Please, I'm hungry. Get out. It's cold out here. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. There is wine here to revive you. There is bread to make you strong. There's a bed to rest till morning, rest from pain and rest from wrong.
bless the food we eat today, bless our dear sister and our honored guest. We have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. Get the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, release him. This man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. Seeing this some higher plan, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man by the witness of the martyrs by the passion and the blood God has raised you out of darkness I have saved your soul for Interestingly enough, I think that if we start to understand grace, we can actually look at it from a mathematical or algebraic perspective. Life's math of grace and God's laws of grace. The first thing we see is that offered grace does not equal accepted grace. Offered grace does not equal accepted grace. When that last clip ended, I suspect you were wondering, What's going to happen next? What will he do? He's just been shown tremendous grace because if the priest had said he stole it, he would have gone back to prison for the rest of his life. Instead, he's, get, he's offered redemption and encouraged to act differently for the rest of his life. You know, isn't it odd, but some people decline offers of grace when they come their way, don't they? They say, so, no thanks, I don't want the help. Thanks, I'm not interested in that. I, I think part of the reason is, is that they don't want to feel beholden to somebody else. They don't want to feel like they owe somebody something else. And so they would rather decline help, decline grace, so they feel like they're instead free, even though what they're passing up is something far better than any obligation that might be visited upon them for what they've received. I think teenagers are really good at accepting grace. 
you give them exactly all the all the parents of teenagers off. You know, give a teenager a deadline and they blow right past it. But give an, a, an opportunity to fulfill whatever that obligation is. If you have your room clean by dinner, then you can use the car. And if you don't, you can't. But I forgot to. Well, if you hurry and go do it, you can still use the car. And they scramble after it. Why? They are willing to accept that grace. They don't care about anything they owe. They're just looking forward to the goodness that has been offered to them. As you watch that last clip, you might have been thinking something a little bit different. You might have been thinking, you know, sometimes I don't think somebody deserves grace. I don't think they deserve it. What they've done is bad enough. Why should they be shown some sort of an exception? Or why should they be treated in a nice way? What they really deserve is to be punished. What they really deserve is to spend some time focused on the errors of their ways. And the best way they're going to do that is if they get in trouble for it, not if they're shown grace. You know, we can make those accusations about other people. You know, there's somebody else who's busy making those same accusations about you and I, and that's Satan, because all he wants to do is visit upon us a destruction and deceit and despair. Revelation 12.10 says it this way, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Day and night. Satan is standing before the throne of God, accusing you and accusing me of being unworthy of God's grace and love. We're not good enough. He keeps saying, they're not good enough. Look at, they did this. They did this. They did this. He's not good enough, God, to receive your grace. She's not good enough, God, to receive your grace. That's what your accuser and my accuser is busy doing in front of the throne of God. Question is, what will we do when we are faced with an opportunity to show grace to somebody else? This next clip can raise this in our minds. What will we do when grace is offered our way? What have I done, sweet Jesus? What have I done? Become a thief in the night, become a dog on the run. Have I fallen so far and is the hour so late? that nothing remains but the cry of my hate, the cries in the dark that nobody hears, here where I stand at the turning of the years. If there's another way to go, I missed it 20 long years ago. My life was a war that could never be won. They gave me a number and they murdered Valjean when they chained me and left me for dead, just for stealing a mouthful of bread. I allow this man to touch my soul and teach me love. He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life he claims for God above. Can such things be? For I had come to hate the world. 
that always hated me. Take an eye for an eye. Turn your heart into stone. This is all I have lived for. One word from him and I'd be back Beneath the lash upon the rack Instead he offers me my freedom I feel my shame inside me like a knife He told me that I have a soul How does he know What spirit calls to move my Is there another way to go? I am reaching, but I fall. And the night is closing in as I stare into the void, to the whirlpool of my sin. I'll escape now from that world. From the world of Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is nothing now. Another story must begin. He accepts the offer of grace, and I don't know if you caught it. He decides he's going to start for himself a new identity. He's going to adopt a new name and move forward with his life. Let's consider how God shows grace in our lives. I want to suggest that God shows grace to us in at least four ways, which I'll call, call God's laws of grace, with the first law being that God equals grace offered. God equals grace offered. It's so beautifully simple, and it tells us a lot about God. Simply because of his character, God offers us grace. It doesn't matter who we are, God offers grace. It doesn't matter if a person seems sort of good, God offers them grace. Somebody is bad, God offers them grace. Somebody that we think is horrible and does not deserve God's grace, God offers them grace. Because to God, all people are important, and he loves all people. 1 John 4, 19 reads, we love because he, meaning God, because he first loved us. Jean Valjean is a man who has received and accepted an offer of grace. Can he then turn around and do the same for someone else? In this clip, we see him living by a new name. He's now a prosperous businessman. And a woman that, he's, that had worked for him in the past was thrown out of his factory by his foreman. And now her life is a disaster, and she has a daughter whose life is hanging in the balance. What will he do? In the process, what will this teach us about the grace that God offers to all people? Let's listen. What do you have for me? He's our youngest, sir. Hey, Chocolate. 
What's the matter with you, little slut? You've got some gall. By <laughs> <laughs> Christ, you'll pay for what you've done. I guarantee I'll make you suffer. I bet you don't record, mister. I'll do whatever you may want. Excuse me. Tell me quickly what's the story, who saw what and why and where. Let him give a full description, let him answer to Javert. Javert, would you believe it? I was lost here in the dark when this prostitute attacked me. You can see she left her mark. She will answer for her actions if you make a full report. You may rest assured, monsieur, she will answer to the court. There's a child who sorely needs me. Please, monsieur, she's got back home. Holy God, is there no mercy? If I go to jail, she'll die. I have heard such protestations every day for 20 years. Let's have no more explanations. Save your breath, save your tears. Honest work, just reward. That's the way to please the Lord. A moment of your time, Javert. I do believe this woman's tale. Monsieur Le Maire. You've done your duty. Let her be. She needs a doctor, not a jail. Monsieur Le Maire. Speak. Where will she end? This child without a friend. I've seen your face before. Show me some way to help you. How have you come to grief in such a place as this? Monsieur, don't mock me now, I pray. It's hard enough I've lost my pride. You let your foreman Send me away. Yes, you were there and turned aside. I never did no wrong. Is it true what I've done? My daughter's close to night. To an innocent soul. If there's a God above, had I only known then, He'd let me die instead. In His name, my task has just begun. I will take her to the hospital. Monsieur Le Maire, where is your child? With the innkeeper of I will send for her immediately. I will see it. This clip hints at the more complex yet highly, highly logical God's second law of grace. It's a bigger equation. It tells us that belief plus repentance plus following equals grace accepted. Belief plus repentance plus following equals grace accepted. Because earlier we saw that grace offered does not equal grace accepted. This second law tells us how we can translate what is offered into what is accepted.
In order to accept God's grace, we need to believe that Jesus Christ is God and he died on the cross taking all of the punishment of our sins upon himself. And if we want to repent and acknowledge what we've done and ask, tell him that we're sorry and then tell him we're following him, we're going to trust him and follow his ways, not our selfish ways, then we have a new life in Jesus Christ. Grace accepted. The Bible tells us that the offer of grace from God is an offer that we didn't deserve, that we did nothing to earn. But yet we need to respond to that offer, reading Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. You know, knowing is not just sufficient. We have to act on that gift. If you're a skydiver, you get in the plane, you go up in the air, and you get ready to jump, and you put the parachute on your back in the backpack, right? And then you jump out. Now, as you're going down, you're not thinking, I'm all set because I got a parachute on my back. <laughs> no, you got to pull the cord and open the chute, don't you? You have to acknowledge what's there and take action on what is there. The knowledge that it's sitting there is insufficient without the action. Here's how the Bible describes this response side for us in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In this next clip, we see grace rising to a new level risking one's life to save another. Javert has been captured by the French opposition as they are battling in the streets. And Jean Valjean impersonates a soldier so that he can get into the area. He's willing to potentially offer his life for another man, something that Jesus Christ actually did on the cross for us. Let's take a look. I come here as a volunteer. You see? You see that prisoner over there? A volunteer like you? A spy who calls himself Chavert? He's going to get it too. Get in there. Get inside. Don't kill him. I know him. Enemy marksman! On the roof! On the roof! Look, We're back! back. Yes. Thank you, monsieur. Give me no thanks, monsieur. There's something you can do. If it is in my power. Give me the spy, Chabert. Let me take care of him. Do what you have to do. The man belongs to you. No. Again. You've hungered for this all your life. Take your revenge. How right you should kill with a knife. Get out of here. Don't understand. Clear out of here. 
Once a thief, forever a thief. What you want, you always steal. You would trade your life for mine. Yes, Valjean, you want a deal. Shoot me now for all I care. If you let me go, beware. You'll still answer to Javert. You are wrong. And always have been wrong. I'm a man. No worse than any man. And you are free. There are no conditions, no bargains or petitions. There's nothing that I blame you for. You've done your duty, nothing more. If I come out with this alive, you will find me a Rue de la Mame number five. I doubt our paths will cross again. God's third law of grace is utterly and completely awesome. And if you've never been a fan of algebra, it's time that you change your ways right now because of this. Here's the equation. Grace accepted equals eternal life. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's no condition there. Just believe and have eternal life. Jean Valjean's release of Javert was not predicated on anything. Just like your offer here, take it or leave it. You can have it or not have it. One of the cool things about the Bible is that God ultimately gives us the relationship with him that we want. He has an offer sitting there. We can step in and be close to him and have eternal life living in heaven with him when this life is over. It's ours to take. But we can choose to reject that. And then when this life ends, we are without God. God does not force himself on us. He makes an offer of grace for us. The amazing thing is it does not end there. There's one more equation, God's fourth law of grace. G plus Y equals TL. You know it. You've heard it before, right? I'm joking. God plus you equals a transformed life. Because God just doesn't want to do a work in you in eternity. He wants to do a work in you in this life. He wants to change and improve and transform your life and unpack for you the way that he has specifically made you so that you can do his work in this life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, reading from the New Living Translation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. As you watch this very short final clip, think about the transformation that God is making available to you. Garden of the Lord, we will walk.
away the sword. The chain will be broken and all men will have their reward. God gives each one of us, each one of you, this offer of freedom, this offer of grace, this offer of a transformed life if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to give you each an opportunity to do that if you never have before. If you never have, why wait for another day? There's no promise of another day for us, is there? The only promise we have is of right now. Why leave this building thinking, I'm not sure if I'm right with God because I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. So I'd ask everybody to bow their heads right now, close your eyes, give the people around you a little privacy. If this has touched you this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I need Jesus in my life. I need to ask him to forgive me and turn and go his way, not my way. I'd ask you to raise your hand good and bold and high right now so I can see you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. And yours, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Any other hands? Go ahead and put your hands down now. I see your hand. Let's all pray together as a church. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace that you show us in Jesus. Please forgive my sins. Help me to go your way, not my way. Transform my life in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.